Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. So this podcast is about vacations. Bad ones granted, but getaways from the daily grind nonetheless. Many people consider camping to be a vacation. It fits the destination of a break from regular life as it involves sleeping in the woods in a slippery bag and cooking food on an open fire, among other chores that masquerade as fun. Camping both is and isn't a vacation. It's something more. It's a chance to capture a taste of the great outdoors, to breathe in those ions and reclaim something wild, raw, and natural that fades away when you live in a city or the suburbs for too long. Camping can bring clarity, peace, and relaxation if done correctly. On the other side of that coin, things can get a little too unhinged and uncivilized out there in the woods or in a regulated campground 10 minutes outside of a town. Taking a cue from the animals that could theoretically lurk around every tree or filthy public restroom, camping can turn otherwise reserved grown men into beasts themselves. And then those beasts force other men to go feral against their will, but also out of desire to protect their pack. At the end of the day, everyone has taken a little vacation from reality and civility. Wow, that makes this sound really serious and overwrought. Trust me, it's fun. It's just a story about camping in the 70s and a suburban dad going totally unexpectedly and dangerously aggro. Why? Because he had to. This is Welcome to Paradise, It Sucks, Episode 6, Montana Biker Gangs from Hell in 3D. Don't the 70s just feel like they must have been a golden age of camping? It's some combination of outdoor stores becoming more commonplace, RVs coming down in price, and those various and connected ecology, environmentalism, health food movements. It all made Americans want to get outdoors and then just kind of hang out there for a while with a cooler full of cheap beer, a hissing propane lantern, and their loved ones. Today we're talking with Joyce, Back in the 1970s, when she and her husband Gary and their kids were living in Spokane, a blue-collar metropolis in northeastern Washington, she loved to go camping. And so they camped. A lot. We had one of those tent trailers, you know? The kind that folds down and you put it in the driveway. We just hitched that up and drive to a campground. There were a lot of parks and campgrounds and forests up outside Spokane. We never had to drive much farther than an hour or two. Joyce and her family particularly loved camping in Montana. It's called Big Sky Country for a reason. That place is gorgeous, absolutely unheralded in its natural beauty. If you're going to camp, you ought to camp in Montana, even if you have to cross two states to get there. 
I know it sounds silly and kind of obvious, but the drive would just fly by. We'd listen to our John Denver on the stereo. The station wagon had an eight track. The kids would just read and bicker in the back. Station wagon, John Denver, eight track. We have reached 1970s scene setting critical mass. Please tell me you were wearing big buffalo plaid shirts, Joyce. We all had our special camping shirts. Plaid, yes. I probably got them at Kmart. Good stuff. Anyway, this particular camping trip in the spring of 1979 commenced, like so many others. The only thing out of the ordinary was all the bikers that they saw on the way out. When we moved into Idaho, we just kept seeing motorcycle guys. Like, every few minutes, another group of them would just drive up onto us and tailgate, then zoom around us in the other lane and get in front of us and speed off. That must have happened 10 times. I only even remember it because of what happened later. Before long, and with no further incident, Joyce and family arrived at the campground campsite that they had reserved over the phone a few days earlier because this was caveman pre-internet times. We've been to that one a couple of times before, just a nice, family-friendly one. It wasn't a KOA campground, but it was like a KOA campground, if that makes any sense. They had a little playground there and a game room with a ping pong table and some pinball machines. The kids just loved that. How old were your kids at the time? Dave must have been nine, Evelyn was seven, and Ryan wasn't born yet. I must have been about four months long and just starting to show. And so, when they arrived, the kids hit the game room while mom and dad literally set up camp, cranking up the tent part of the tent trailer and getting a fire going. Dad did most of the work, unwilling to let Joyce, with child, do much physical labor. Gary was always very chivalrous while I was pregnant. Not usually the rest of the time. (laughs) If a vacation in general, and camping specifically and emphatically, is about embracing the idea of doing nothing, then this is where the trip took a turn, because in the midst of this low-effort, low-activity camping trip, things happened. We're all done setting up. Gary's drinking a beer, and I was too. Back then, it was okay for a pregnant lady to drink a beer every now and then. And the kids come running up in tears. Mom, Dad, the kids in there were so mean. Through some halted, sob-choked bursts of explanation, (laughs) Joyce and Gary ascertained that there had been a dispute over an evil Knievel pinball machine. Evelyn had been patiently waiting her turn to play when some other boy pushed her out of the way, put in his quarter, and started playing. It was my turn next. I was supposed to go next. My brother's gonna beat you up. Yeah, Evelyn volunteered her brother's services in protecting her and defending her honor. The pinball-turned-thief ignored her completely, only for Evelyn to cry louder and harder and pose more threats. Finally, when his game was over, he turned around, saw Dave standing there, and punched him in the face. Poor little guy had a black eye, tears streaming down his face. So we made up a little ice pack for him, and he went and calmed down. If only that were the worst thing to happen that day. 
Joyce, come on. It's my job to whet the listeners' appetites for mayhem and chaos. Back off. Anyway, if only that were the worst thing to happen that day. So it's later that night, probably about midnight, and we all wake up to the sound of all these motorcycles revving and zooming and honking. Guys yelling, swearing. They must have circled the whole campground two or three times. Remember the bikers from before? They were back. I don't know if they were the same bikers we saw on the way up, but they were definitely part of the same group. Later, we heard that there was some big rally in Idaho that weekend. They were either going to that or heading home from that. Finally, the bikers found their spot, or spots, all over the campground. They seemed to act like they were the only ones there as they freely walked between their far-flung sites. Talking loudly, lots of swearing, lots of offensive words for the women in their group. You'd hear a lot of beers getting popped open and a lot of bottles smashed on the ground. The partying continued into the night. Amazingly, nobody else in the campground said anything. We just kind of all lay there awake. We were all awake. Gary just lay there and stewed and sighed. Maybe somebody needs to go say something to them. He said stuff like that. I certainly didn't want him going out there. We figured it would just stop. But it didn't stop, and Joyce got more upset. Well, everybody did. The kids were so tired. They'd had a long day already. Very whiny. Gary just kept sighing and getting madder and madder. It didn't make me feel any better. But then all it took was one unforgivable action on the part of the bikers for Joyce's husband to take flight. They start shooting guns into the air, not at anybody, just shooting their guns into the air and laughing and hooting and hollering after. After a bit of that, my daughter said, Mommy, I'm scared. And Gary said, That is it. Joyce pleaded with him to not go, but go he did. He flung open the tent trailer's flimsy aluminum door and found the closest biker contingent. They were probably a half a dozen spots away, but your voice really carries out there. Hey guys, do you think you could knock it off? You're scaring my kids. And the bikers obliged, apologizing profusely and all agreeing to pack it up for the night, putting their guns away and recycling their beer bottles. Nah, they didn't do that. I heard one man belch and tell my husband, fuck you. They had been listening to music on a portable boombox and turned it up. It was like a movie, like a really bad biker movie. Gary returned to his family in the trailer, ashamed and diminished, unsuccessful in his manly act of courage and protection. Because of that, and the continued menace of the bikers, he was even madder than before. We just had to sit there and listen to them yelling and cursing, drinking, smelled some marijuana, which was kind of shocking at the time because it was illegal. One of them would occasionally mock Gary, imitating him. Uh, hey guys, can you keep it down? My kids are trying to sleep and they're really scared. They'd laugh and laugh. It was awful. Finally, at about 3 a.m., Gary had once again taken all he could handle. 
The kids had somehow fallen back asleep and I'd closed my eyes and was trying to just force myself to ignore it and go to sleep. Gary got up and rummaged around in his stuff for a moment. He didn't see me, but I saw he grabbed his gun. Yeah, Gary had a gun and he was prepared to use it. We lived in Spokane in the 1970s. Everyone had a gun. He was a member of the NRA, even if you can believe that. He always brought it on camping trips in case a bear attacked or something. Not likely a commercial campground, but hey, it added to the fun and fantasy for Gary. I whisper screamed, you know, don't go out there. He ignored me or didn't hear me, probably ignored me. So I just laid there paralyzed while he walked over to the bikers. I'll never forget this. He was like a Clint Eastwood character, such a tough guy. He's not usually like that. He goes, I asked you nicely to quiet down. And then I heard him cock the gun. And then there was silence from the bikers, from Gary, from Joyce, from everyone. That's a good thing. Gary's none-so-subtle threat had worked. The bikers had finally shut the hell up. Probably. I guess he showed them he meant business. Gary felt pretty good about himself as he returned to the trailer, sighing and falling back into bed, fulfilled and emboldened by his primal, if completely reckless, act of aggression. I wasn't exactly happy with him. He could have gotten himself killed. I was so mad. Sure, what he had done was actually pretty stupid, and it's amazing that he didn't get maimed or manslaughtered, all things considered. But Gary got results. Everything was quiet for about 10 minutes. The bikers didn't make a peep. Then, as if they knew exactly how long it would take for the campground to relax and start to drift back to sleep, the bikers started up again. This time they were even louder and more obnoxious than before. They shot their guns off again. That felt like a direct challenge to Gary. Did Gary accept the challenge? When danger, dignity, and honor called, did he pick up the phone? No. No way. That would be madness. When Gary would tell this story, he would mention this old Irish proverb he liked. It's better to be a coward for a little while than to be dead for the rest of your life. When they started back up with the noise and the guns, Gary jumped up, put on his clothes, and yelled, we're leaving. And so the family packed up their stuff, dismantled their campsite, and got back into the station wagon. That's the fastest we ever packed up, that's for sure. We were probably in the car and back on the road in 10 minutes. It was the middle of the night, and they stopped at the first motel they found. Well, not the first. We must have passed six or seven motels before we found one that had a vacancy sign. All of them were fully booked and just rows of motorcycles outside. On account of the motorcycle rally. We finally found one and there were a bunch of motorcycles outside too, but what were we gonna do? We had no choice. We slept there and everything was fine. Nobody gave us any trouble. Probably not the real hardcore type staying in the motel before the rally. Weekend warriors, I think they call them. The family, exhausted from camping and harassment and picking fights with gun-toting bikers, slept well that night. In the morning, they ate pancakes at a diner and were back home in Spokane by noon. 
We went camping for years and years. I don't think we ever went back to that one campground. Too many bad memories. And Gary never brought his gun along after that. When his NRA membership came up for renewal a few weeks later, he let it lapse. Thanks, Joyce. I'm craving s'mores now. Hey, look, we had a lot of fun and got some goosebumps listening to that harrowing story. But one thing that's a lot more serious, guns. Personal ownership of firearms is a complicated issue. There's a lot to consider here. And I don't mean to offend potentially half of my listeners, but I have to utilize my platform and take a stand here. We all need to accept that camping just plain sucks. It's awful. Don't do it. Don't go. Literally, do anything else with your precious free time. And in those magical years when your kids are young, go to Disneyland, the zoo, whatever. It doesn't matter as long as it isn't camping. It's time once again for Andrew's Travel Tips. Tip number one, don't let your kids run off in a strange place. Joyce let her kids hang out in an arcade in the middle of nowhere, and they got into a fight within minutes. Maybe helicopter parenting and keeping an eye on your kids isn't the worst thing. Tip number two, be a tattletale. You're not in grade school anymore. There's nothing wrong or shameful about being a snitch. Snitching just means reporting dangerous figures to the authorities. In today's story, Gary could have just asked the camp host to handle those rowdy bikers instead of taking the law and his life into his own hands. Tip number three, don't go camping. Camping is just plain weird. If you want to go outside, go outside. Go for a hike. But sleep in a motel with solid walls and locking doors. Until next time, thank you for listening to Welcome to Paradise, It Sucks. And don't forget to write a review wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us out. While you're at it, follow me at Let's Not Meet Cast on Instagram for more updates on upcoming episodes. And check out my other shows, Let's Not Meet, a true horror podcast, and Odd Trails at crypticcountypodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to hear your worst vacation story on the show, please email us at welcome to paradise it sucks at gmail.com. Welcome to Paradise It Sucks is a collaboration between Cloud 10 Media and Cryptic County. The executive producers are Andrew Tate and Sim Sarna. The producers and writers are Brian Boone and Devin Ruskin. The audio engineer is Trevin Barty. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.